Welcome back, everyone, to episode 67 of the Mind on Business podcast presented by Bennett Creative Media. I'm your host, Easton Bennett, and on the show today, we have Megan Invick and Liz Larson. It's good to have you two on the show. Thanks for having us. That was, that was, did you guys practice that (laughs) on the way here? You're like, we're just going to time it. We're both going to say the exact same thing. Um, Before we get started, if you have not already, please rate and review the show. It only takes five seconds for, to leave a rating and review. uh, And it really helps spread the word to new audiences and attract new guests each week. So Liz, Megan, let's get right into it. What are we going to be talking about to get today? I know you got the the shirt on here, but for the people that are not watching, what are we going to talk about? Stuff and things. We are with Project B. Um, we affectionately, for a while, called ourselves the oldest nonprofit in Minot, but simultaneously the newest. Um, we started out as the YWCA of Minot. We have roots going back to 1915. In 2021, we decided to rebrand our organization and just be 100% local, make sure all decision-making stayed local. And since that time, we've been able to really grow our operations significantly, mm-hmm. take on a lot of new exciting projects. And that's kind of just why we're here. So that was kind of the one thing I was wondering. When was the transition? Because I didn't really realize until I was doing the research that it used to be the YWCA. It was June 2021 that we launched it. Um, okay. You know, COVID was a weird time for a lot of businesses, <laughs> nonprofits, government agencies. Um, none of us knew what to do and how do you um, adjust to just this, what do they say, the new normal? Yeah. Um, and us <laughs> in the nonprofit world, uh, we were not exempt from that. Uh, we saw nonprofits filing bankruptcy, unable to sustain their operations. Fundraising became harder than ever. But unfortunately, the need for our services, especially being a an emergency service, emergency resource focused organization, the need for us certainly went up. Um, we kind of had some discussions over the years with um, my board. We were like, what are we going to do? How do we do this? We had so much confusion with our name. Hmm. Um, the YWCA, they do great work. However, uh, are you a church? Are you a yeah. gym? Do you only serve women? Everything. People were so confused. We used to have a sign in my office. Um, there was a whiteboard and it said days since we've been asked about our pool. Because every <laughs> single day, somebody would call me and ask me what the temperature for our pool was, thinking think we were the YMCA. Ah, yeah. Just like, no. And it's it's so hard. How do you, um, same with a business, same with anything, if your name doesn't tell a story or relate to your product or your service, how can you use that? And so with the YWCA, it was just very confusing for yeah. our community. And again, we were the oldest nonprofit in our community and people didn't even know we existed. It just wasn't resonating with donors and with the community as to what they did, who they served and why people should contribute to it. Absolutely. And again, why would you, if you think that your money is going out of area, um, you think that maybe we're a church, you think that we are discriminating against certain groups, it's confusing. And so um, we launched Project B. It was kind of the brainchild of one of my board members and I we were talking about kind of the pillars um, and values that were really important to us as an organization. We kept going back to that equity piece and empowerment. Um, we can't do everything for you, but we can empower you to make that next step. Um, regarding equity, it was just really important to us because we serve a fairly large indigenous population. Um, you know, North Dakota, I think population is about 95% white. of our clients are not white and that's a problem. And we want to just make sure that we are providing a little more equity to our clients, whether they're experiencing generational trauma, um, just mental health addiction, substance abuse. So is Um, that where the, you said equity and empowerment, is that the part, the two E's and B? It is. It is stands for bringing equity and empowerment. Okay. That, cause that was going to be my question. Where did the name come from? Yeah. Did you guys have a lot of back and forth on what the name was going to be? We did. We had no idea what we were going to have the name be. We knew what we wanted to do. We knew we needed to expand um, just opportunities. There was gaps in services here. And the name actually came to us in the North Hill Marketplace uh, parking lot. Okay. Um, Saw Beehive. Yeah. There it is. I wish. Uh, (laughs) During COVID, you know, everything was closing. And so my board and I, like a couple of us, we were going to meet up at the Caribou Coffee on North Hill. 
It was closed. So we went and we sat in her truck in the parking lot because we we're like, we just need to get through this stuff. Let's not waste our time finding a place to hang out. Yeah. We just sort of hashed it out. Um, North Dakota is a very agriculture heavy state. We are the number one producer for, I think, 13 commodities. Um, number two and three for probably the rest of them. Um, honey being one of those number one commodities. And um, the concept of bees is just really nice. So, yes, there is a queen bee, yeah. but all those workers. <laughs> she just adjusted her crown. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. She's like, my headphones. <laughs> yes. Um, but all the worker bees, they are dependent on each other. The entire hive cannot thrive if one of those bees is sick. One of those bees is, you know, not empowered to be able to come to work. Yeah. Um, they all depend on each other. And if you ever watch like those National Geographic videos on bees, it's just so amazing. They're very communicative. They take care of each other. Uh, and that's kind of what we want to do. Yeah. And for our community, we are a piece of greater Minot. There are a lot of needs here. There's a lot of needs that are not being met. We are a piece of that. And we want to, you know, empower our own clients. But also we see and we appreciate other nonprofits. And we need them to do what they do because yeah. we can't do it all. So it just, it kind of just worked. It's, it's cool that the, I like when brands and businesses have a story behind their name. Cause a lot of them, you know, you just slap a cool name on there. It's kind of what I did. I just went last name and then some media stuff. So right. mm -hmm. uh, you slap it on there, but it's cool when there's some thought process behind it. So that's super interesting. I know you've been at project B for a while. And before we started recording, I think you said four months, Megan, is that correct? Four months I've been. Yep. August 1st, uh, Liz, found me and recruited. <laughs> yeah. So how did you, maybe let's hear the story of both of you, how you got into this role and maybe your experience in the nonprofit, if you've been doing it a while or if yeah. you've been in the nonprofit world and you're just kind of switching roles. Absolutely. Um, yeah. What are you guys stories? Um, so I actually came from the for-profit healthcare world. Um, I went to school for nursing, thought that's what I wanted to do. Worked in nursing, did some nursing management and you know, the money was great. I liked my life. I was good at it. It was soul sucking. Um, for profit healthcare, we don't have enough time for this. We need another podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but for profit <laughs> healthcare Patreon. is just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Subscribe now. Yeah. Um, it was just soul sucking for me. And, um, you know, I spent my free time doing a lot of volunteer work. I myself have a little bit of lived experience. Um, shout out to, you know, the crazy ex husband kind of causing problems for me. And I am so fortunate that through everything that I went through, you know, I had an education, I had a little bit of money, I had just these privileges and benefits to be able to get myself out of that situation. My children and I, we were able to bounce back. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't have that. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time volunteering, kind of was going through a crisis with work. I was like, I can't do this forever. Went back to school for social work and loved it. Um, it was kind of nice because the nursing piece, like community health still relates you know, together, yeah. to a lot of what we do. Um, I started with the YWCA in 2019. Um, I was hired as a part-time resident manager. Um, and it's funny because here I am and I'm just like, how did this even happen? I wanted a part-time job to leave my house because I had left maternity leave and was losing my mind <laughs> with a baby. Yep. Um, but I became the executive director in 2020. Um, right in the middle of all the chaos going on in the world. And I guess I, I love big, crazy risks and I was willing to say like, Hey, we need to change something or, um, you know, fizzle out trying at least. Yeah. Um, so I took over in 2020 and I've been here since, uh, we've been able to grow our organization pretty significantly, which is how I found Megan. She's <laughs> talked about like her background. Cause it's, very non-traditional for some of the nonprofit world, actually. It's very non-traditional. So I started in banking uh, in the trust department with First International Bank and Trust. And um, eventually, three years later, I joined my family business, which is restaurants. So um, okay. preferred restaurant group. Shout out to Taco John's and Slim Chickens. Yep. <laughs> um, so I was there for 10 years. I started as a local store marketing manager and worked my way up to vice president and chief administrative officer. Um, at our height, we had 20 restaurants and um, it was crazy and chaotic and amazing. A yeah. um, lot of fun adventures, but very corporate. 
Um, throughout that entire time, I was always involved in nonprofits. I served on the United Way board. Um, I was the president of that board. And recently I was on the Domestic Violence Crisis Center board. Um, always just had that drive to do something for others. Um, it's needed. And without volunteers doing it, I mean, it doesn't get done. So it's important to take care of our community's most vulnerable. Um, when I left the family business, I went to do retail um, with Tallison's Retail Group and um, had a wonderful time, learned a lot over there. And eventually Liz and I connected and it was time for me to make a leap. And so I jumped in and went nonprofit and um, I've never looked back. It's been amazing. Well, and I think on the nonprofit side, you know, we we tend to just kind of hire staff that maybe they have the passion, they don't have the skill set, or maybe we think we can't afford the skill set. We don't want to invest in quality yeah. people. Um, and then we wonder why everything's going wrong, you know? Um, She's saying she hired great talent. <laughs> I did. She's like, Megan was awesome. And I'm I like, her. thank you. Shout out to Megan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you got you guys both switched positions then from a different field. What was that like? What was it like going from you, you know, you know on the restaurant side to something completely different? with project B and then you, you mentioned healthcare, they've got some similarities, but also it's very different uh, going into the nonprofit world. What was that like? So I would say for me, um, the experience that I gained, um, in the restaurant world and just all of the, um, things that I had to do and different meetings and boards and committees that I was on, all of that prepared me for this. Um, and it kind of laid a foundation for how to be successful in nonprofits. Um, I've actually done a lot of research on this, like a nerd, but you know, yeah, 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 there's, um, there's quite a lot of people who, once they decide to retire from corporate world, they get into the nonprofit world and they just use all the skills that they've gained on their corporate side, um, and apply them to nonprofit to make it very successful. So, you know, obviously I come at things with a very business minded, uh, perspective. And I think that, is hopefully helpful. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I look back at me in my early twenties and I don't think I'd be nearly as successful at what I'm doing today without all the experience that I gained elsewhere. Cause yeah, there's a lot of young people that listen to the show. So that's some of the advice we try to give. It's like building up those skills over the years, you know, it's the my not business podcast, but that doesn't mean you need to own a business. No. Uh, just gaining those business skills is super crucial for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Absolutely. And I also think that just networking and learning from others in the community, um, you know, I have been a clinger to a lot of mentors over the years because you just want to soak up all that knowledge uh, like a sponge and get as much as you can from people that you admire. Um, watch what they do, watch how they do it and take notes. How did you find those mentors? Just people, you know, just, yeah. Places you bump into people in the weirdest spots. You know, um, I was in rotary for a while, so I met a lot of people through that. Um, I met people just through, you know, as you go about your job, you end up having a meeting here or you go to a meeting there and you just kind of end up crossing paths with somebody. And every once in a while you meet somebody and you're like, wow, this is a really cool person. Yeah. I need to uh, learn something from this person. Absolutely. And just being willing to have those conversations instead of being, you know, kind of just the wallflower at events. Yeah. No, like step up, say hi, that's introduce a one, yourself. That's the one thing I had to teach myself is you got to get in there. Yes. Like you, it's not like you have to be overwhelming, like, oh, hey, help me with this, this, that, the other thing, but start having conversations and like you actually, actually have a genuine interest in what the other person is doing and it's only going to help you. Well, like I said, absolutely. instead of just being like, oh, cool. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, start the conversation that way. You can walk up to somebody and say, hey, I really am impressed by what you're doing. Can I ask you a few questions? Yeah. I mean, who's going to say no to being complimented first? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's only a good, it's a good way to get your foot in the door. Yeah. Or even right. just getting involved. I know for me, I was able to do a lot because I joined the Minot Lions Club um, and I met people that I wouldn't be hanging out with otherwise. My club, um, 
the average age is pretty high. Um, I love you guys if any of you are listening. <laughs> but because of that, like they have all this experience that I I would take, you know, three lifetimes to get. Yeah. And some of them, I'm never gonna get some of that experience. And wisdom. But just, exactly. Yes. Wisdom. wisdom. Just meeting people. Um, and then just the connections that they make and introducing me to people. And I've been able to just grow as a professional and grow my organization and just be better because I hang out with some people that I probably wouldn't normally hang out with. Yeah. So getting back into project B then, uh, you, you mentioned a little bit about what you guys do, but I know over the years and probably since you've now made the name change, you've added more services and you're providing a lot more. Can you give us a rundown of the services that you guys are helping the Minot community with? Absolutely. So our biggest and most expensive program is our emergency shelter. We are the only low barrier shelter that is not meant for youth specifically or domestic violence outside of Fargo. So what that means is um, we cannot house sex offenders, but if you have history of substance abuse or maybe a criminal record, you can stay with us. I mean, we ask that you're respectful. We do have some rules. We have staff, but we give people a chance where maybe some other organizations don't have the capacity to give people those chances. Um, and, and this is what drew me to Project B, too. This is probably my most passionate aspect of what we do is we we do provide that low barrier shelter. It's so important that anyone who is in need of a place to stay has a place to stay and they don't have to jump through all these hoops to make that happen. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's uh, going back to Psych 101, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. How can I expect you to be successful, be a good parent? be healthy, be mentally well, overcome your addiction, whatever. If you don't have that foundation of a safe place to sleep, food, water, heat in the winter, we're going to give you that base. And then my staff is probably going to be like, Hey, what are we doing here? Let's, you know, get our stuff together. Let's start talking more. Um, but you need to build that rapport. You need to give them those basic needs first. And so that's what we do. Um, so that is our biggest, most expensive program. We're actually building a new shelter right now, uh, specifically for that program to be able to expand our services. We also have the Dakota diaper pantry, um, fun, not so fun fact. Uh, there's no way through like snap or WIC benefits that you can purchase diapers, but surprise to go to a job, to go to the business, you know, you have to have diapers to leave your child in daycare. Um, there were just some horrible, horrible stories about parents that maybe had to leave their babies in diapers too long. They develop rashes, infections. It contributes to especially maternal mental health. Your baby's crying. You can't fix it. It's stressful. Um, so we are able to help families who are local. They're working. Most of our clients in that program are working. It's just, the cost of everything has gone up. They need a little bit of help during those most expensive years. I heard and diapers are expensive. Ooh. I don't have a kid or kids. You know, plural, I just checked the cost recently. My my kids are all older now. Yeah. Um. So we're way out of the diaper stage. But I just looked at the cost recently and I was floored. <laughs> and it just everything with inflation right now is going up. And it's like, do you pay your rent? Do you yeah. buy an extra pack of diapers? Um. Buying diapers, even just, you know, going to Costco, that's a barrier. Do you have a club membership? Do you have transportation there? You want to buy them on Amazon? Cool. Do you have a debit card? Yeah. Some of our clients don't have those resources. And so they're buying the smaller packs of diapers, which end up costing more per diaper. And Mm -hmm. it's just a series of just kind of unfortunate life events that happen to them. Um, So we help out under the age of four if they are four or older we can connect them with a company that will bill your insurance for diapers if they're medically necessary. We're also trying to do a little bit more with some potty training. We have resources from some of our partners, like our big national partners. We're just trying to help people, you know, get through those expensive years. And we do get asked a lot if we offer reusable cloth diapers and we do have that as an option. Unfortunately, the laundry that is required is sometimes not feasible for our clients either so huge barrier I caught diapered my kids for a while and um you know save money but where are you going to go to daycare there's not many that will accept them unfortunately and so that is a great option for some people but it's not the reality for 
many. So is that how it works? You, when you go to daycare, you just provide the diapers? Yep. Yeah. It's an interesting fact. I'll Parent, hopefully need to know. Parenting when podcast. I'm in the, yeah, yeah the, that's what it's turned into. The Minot Business Parenting, parenting podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah. You how to be a working I, parent. I was going to say, you kind of <laughs> almost can turn it into some like birth control podcast. Yeah, yeah. no This kidding. is the cost of Minot birth control care. podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to change all the, the font up there. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, poster. Daycare is expensive. Yeah. The things the babies need are expensive and you... There's no way around this. I mean, the same thing goes for a formula. You know, if Absolutely. you are taking your baby to daycare, you need to provide the formula too. And formula is also incredibly expensive. And unfortunately, because of these shortages and supply chain issues, we're seeing people unable to even get the products that they need. Same with diapers. Maybe a baby who's extra sensitive. And it's just, it's hard right now for people. Yeah. I don't even want to say for parents. It is hard right now for yeah. people. So I want to go into the funding a little bit because, you know, that's kind of what we're going into. But before uh, we do that, we're going to hear from this week's sponsor, Midco. When you're looking for a good deal, more reliable internet, or a more forward-thinking tech partner for your business, Midco has you covered. They're making it easier than ever to make the switch to Midco. Sign up for services before December 31st, and you'll receive free professional installation. That's a $499 value. You can schedule installation at the time that's most convenient for you and your business. Plus, Midco's team of experts will not only set up your services, but set your team up for success by showing the ins and outs of your new connection. From gig speeds to VoIP phone services, get everything you need to help your business thrive. Visit midco.com business slash free install. This limited time offer is for new customers only. All right, so let's hop back into the questions here. I want to talk about funding. Uh, so how does the funding go about for all these different things? Because I assume you have to get the, the diapers, the formulas. Is it donations? Is it people donating natural product products? Or what's the uh, funding all look like? All of the above I was just and say, more. Yeah, A, B, C, and D. Yeah, so being a nonprofit <laughs> is interesting. Um, you know, when you have a business, usually you're doing goods or services in exchange for money. Nonprofits exist where... Um, businesses can't make money and maybe the government has no business doing that program, service, goods, whatever. Um, and so that's where we are. We are, it's hard. We do a lot of grants. Um, and sometimes unfortunately those grants are reimbursable. So you have to have that liquid cash and you have to do reimbursements. We will do fundraisers like events. Um, of course, as much as everybody loves events, it's a lot of manpower for us and it's a lot of um, strategy and just a lot of work. We do individual donations and that's where the majority of our funding comes from is just generous people in our community, whether they want to give us $5 um, as a one-time donation or maybe they want to give us $20 a month or maybe they want to give us $50,000, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's different ways that it can benefit them. Um, endowments, tax credits, stuff like that. There's just a lot of options for donors with that. Um, We do a lot of in-kind donations. So maybe hockey moms, especially when they're traveling, they stop at Sam's or Costco and pick up an extra pack of diapers for us. That means that we love the hockey moms. We do. Yeah. Um, That's a pack of diapers we don't have to buy. We have a meal train where people provide meals. Sometimes they do groceries, catering, whatever for our shelter so that we're able to feed people. Again, that's yeah. one less line item on our expenses because somebody's bringing it in. And then, of course, volunteers. Um, I probably could hire, you know, another 20 people to do the work that needs to be done. That's not in the budget. Yeah. So <laughs> instead, we rely on a lot of volunteers. Sometimes it's one time. That's helpful. Sometimes, you know, you get like a one time volunteer, especially when it's a group. But what's really helpful is those recurring volunteers who kind of get to know what our organization is like. They learn how to do the job and then we don't have to babysit them as much. So it's really great just to be able to um, build our relationships with people in our community, especially our other businesses. Um, We were just talking about this. We did Midco ad here. Shout out to Midco. They came out and that's what a lot of our corporations in this area do is they find a way to give back. Um, yes, they'll give money, but more importantly, they'll give their time. Yeah. And, it's and they, they like to do it as a group. It's a great bonding experience. It builds morale, builds that camaraderie for the for the company and, and all their employees. And, and we get to know them and have a lot of fun with them too. Absolutely. And it's good when you have corporations, especially if they're big corporations that maybe are not headquartered in Minot or in North Dakota, mm-hmm. still giving back to the community that they're in. Absolutely. And, you know business grants, that could be a whole nother podcast. 
sometimes um, because these corporations, they want to make sure their funds are going where their employees live, work, play, etc. Yeah. So they want referrals and references from their employees. They want their employees to advocate for us as nonprofits. So it creates a lot of opportunity, not just for volunteers, but like more long-term volunteers, maybe board service. Megan talked about that earlier about how that's how she got her start in the nonprofit world was board service. Yeah. Well, guess what? Every single nonprofit legally has to have a minimum of three board members. So chances are someone near you is looking for some help. If you have a little bit extra time and maybe passion for a specific mission. So talking about boards, then maybe this is a little bit off topic, but how do you find boards and be a part of boards? You've been a part of a few. I've know, been on a few as yep, well. You've been on a few as well. Give me a little insight into the boards. So, I'm not in the boards. Oh, really? well, I have I have a committee for you. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think my first introduction into serving on a board was when I was with the bank and um, First International is very supportive of their employees and getting involved in the community. And so they kind of presented that opportunity to me and said, hey, we'll support you if you find a cause that mm-hmm. you feel strong about. And um, I did. And so I, I mean, it was really just kind of shopping for a board. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to reach out and ask questions. Um, and so I, I don't remember how I got on it, but it was probably some kind of an awkward email that was like, hey, I like what you do. Do you, you, got a board? Do you want to be friends? <laughs> do you want to hang out with me once a month for yeah. lunch? That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> you please stop calling us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that probably yeah. was yeah, like on somebody's mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but uh, my, my advice would be to just go where your passion takes you, you know, whatever you have an interest for, whatever you have a, a passion to fix. I mean, that's where Absolutely. you gotta go. Well, and that's how we found some of our board members is they were originally volunteers. Um, we had one of our board members was actually doing her master's degree in social work and she worked for us, you know, 40 yeah. hours a week for I think 1600 hours or something like that. Yeah. Um, and she just developed the passion for the work that we do. And she has a day job. And then, you know, just kind of came back for board service. So, um, you know, maybe maybe you just start volunteering somewhere you're really passionate. You have a love of cats. Well, guess what? There's animal rescues here dedicated solely to cats. Go yeah. hang out with them. Um, see what they need. Get to know their lead volunteers, their staff, whatever they have. Talk to them. Um going back to what we said earlier, like you need to make connections with people. All right. Well, start talking to them. Are boards adding positions or, cause I always looked at it as a board, maybe this is not naive because I don't know much about boards, but I always thought of it like as a job application where it's like, Oh, well there's only so many roles they can fill. Do they just add seats here and there? So it kind of depends. I mean, yeah, it depends on the organization and how their bylaws are written. Um, most organizations have rules that they need to follow and a structure that they have to maintain. Um, most of the boards that I have been involved with or have known about um, are pretty open to all new members. Um, Absolutely. Typically what happens is the other board members have to vote on the incoming board member just so that, you know, if there's any issues that need to be brought up, those can be discussed. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more intimidating before you get into it than it really is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, we just recently formed a fundraising committee. Shout out to the fundraising committee. Yep. Um, really excited about it. We've had maybe four meetings. I've been here four months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're like once a month, baby. That's right. Um, but that is a great stepping stone into boards too. Um, it's not as structured and, you know, Robert's rule of order type. It's not that legal obligation. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's more it's casual. casual. Right. Um, but a lot of the people that I found for the fundraising committee, um, I I found them. They didn't so much find me because they didn't know it existed yet. Yeah. Um, but I was just looking for people who had a passion for serving others, were very vocal in the Minot community, and um, I just knew that they would do good things for project B and you know, some of them, this is the first committee or board that they've ever served on. And, you know, I had a couple people say, Ooh, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. And I'm like, trust me, you're qualified. Yeah. <laughs> Just join me. Well, I think that's something that we as a society kind of need to break as well. Um, yeah. Why do you think that you're not qualified to be on a board? Yeah. We want diverse opinions and experiences. 
Um, no offense to the bankers, but you know, you can't just have all bankers on the board. Yeah. You need some perspective. Absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, people think that boards are this like stuffy banker club, but it's not. Yeah. Um, we need people, um, perhaps podcasters, perhaps, yeah. you know, podcasters so many- on the fundraising committee. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't you know. know. There's a lot of opportunities. Um, but I think that is how you can help your career too is um i don't want this i mean i would love the ceo of every organization but give me some yeah. people that actually you know are doing the work they're in the stuff, yeah. exactly give me some perspective let's find some people who have some growth to you know create in their career let's get with them when they're younger and um really like change what boards look like yeah because that's the thing when i was growing up and going through high school and not college, but the college years, I thought, you know, if it's a board, you go into a boardroom and you're all wearing suits and you talk with your notepads and your legal yeah. pads. But I suppose it's probably not. That's like what that I mean. Way. It it can seem very intimidating before you are involved. And yeah. it's really not. And, you know, um, for the couple of people that were like, I don't think I'm qualified for this, uh, this committee. Um, I just sat down and talked to them and I said, it is not what you think it is. And I promise you come to the first meeting, it's going to be great. And, um, you know, I think everybody has relaxed a little bit and said, wow, okay. Yeah. And you know, I, the comment that I hear too is, um, I just hope that I can provide something that's helpful. Um, you know, but our, the committee is superstars. I'm, I'm just really thankful for them. Well, I think even just having that like internal thought, like, I hope I can do something. You're already doing a better job than somebody, you know, who just, doesn't, doesn't care, care exactly yeah. like just meet in a seat and like oh, exactly exactly meet in the seat yep i just it's gonna out. go with uh, lost in the sauce <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, yes. you pair those two together your meets in the seat and your lost in the <laughs> sauce there's that, a lot going yeah, on <laughs> that is a board member that's probably not accomplishing much um okay so we went uh, off topic a little bit yeah. which i do apologize but i want to get into the broadway circle project absolutely which you guys are now in charge of so for the people that don't know what is the broadway uh circle project All right. So Broadway Circle is a resource hub that was started initially with some of those NDR funds that were given to the city of Minot after our 2011 flood from HUD. Um, This is going to sound, what's NDR funds? It is the National Disaster Recovery. So basically HUD said, Minot, um, this sucks that you had your town flood. We want you to recover and be a better Minot. These are, they identified with um, a lot of people in our community what our weaknesses were. One of those, affordable housing. One of those, family shelter. And so Broadway Circle kind of was created. And it is 1901 South Broadway. Um, So right off the highway, uh, very, very busy intersection, um, right next to U.S. Bank and Broadway Dentist. I was going to say, give us a, give us a. It is where uh, Oishi Ramen, so the former Hibachi, that is our building. And so the building consists, or the property, I should say, consists of Building A, which is that ramen restaurant, um, the Lord's Covered Soup Kitchen and Food Pantry. They just moved in on Friday. And then we have some empty commercial space that will be available to rent coming up probably spring. So shout out if anybody is listening to this, trying to open a business and they want some prime real estate, call me. Yeah. Building B is a six-unit non-congregate unit family shelter. And so what that means is they are set up as apartments. They're two- and three-bedroom units. They have their own kitchen and bathroom. Um, Really great if you've ever worked night shift. You don't want to hear somebody else's baby cry or maybe um, your kids are little cesspools during cold (laughs) and flu season. Keep that to yourself. Um, In this way, they kind of can start to get used to, like, what life is going to look like when they overcome homelessness. They're going to have – meals to make you have your little home to keep clean and we will have our on-site case management offices there as well so is it like a stepping stone then it is going to be like a stepping stone for emergency shelter for families um it will be pet friendly so if you are a crazy cat lady like megan and myself um yeah (laughs) we have a shelter for you um but it'll just be really nice because you think about what people are going through experiencing homelessness um Imagine, you know, you have your beloved dog, you become homeless, sometimes due to no fault of your own. And then I say, yeah, haha, your dog's not coming here. Yeah. Um, 
no, I'd rather go. Like, I'm not coming there either. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people would choose, and which is understandable. Absolutely. And so um, we're pretty excited for that, just to be able Mm -hmm. to provide that service. And again, the shelter, it's being specifically built for families, which is something that just doesn't happen. Sometimes we do have some shelters that cater to families in the state of North Dakota and beyond, but they weren't designed for them. And so Mm -hmm. maybe... What we're doing now is you shove kind of a whole family in a small room and drive each other nuts, but that's no way to live. Um, And then building C is going to be 17 units of low to moderate income housing. So the people who live there, we will have a landlord tenant relationship with them. Um, That is meant for our working class folks. They pay rent to us. They get an apartment to live. Um, It'll be really nice, brand new, couple fully ADA accessible units. Um, it's right on the bus line. It's close to a lot of businesses and schools, yeah. et cetera. Um, on-site services such as that food pantry and soup kitchen, you know, when it gets close to payday and maybe you don't have quite enough for whatever you need, um, we have services right there. So that's going to be really nice. And there's a public transportation bus stop right in front of the property too. So that's going to be a nice way to access either the housing units or the uh, Lord's Lord's Covered. That's what I was going to say. It's good real estate. Like if you're going to put it somewhere, it's better there than, you know, out by the new hospital. You know, that's kind of out of the way. There's not much out there yet. And I know there was some concerns from our community initially. um, But at the end of the day, we have staff there. We have security cameras. Um, you know, there are sober living houses all over our community that you'd never even know that they exist because we keep our stuff together. Um, all of us as organizations, exactly. (laughs) Like you're, you don't hear about, you know, the day to day because there are no problems. Um, we do our best and, um, I think it'll be a huge asset for my not. So I want to talk about the funding for this in a little bit. How does that work? Do you guys, you know, is this something where you're looking for donors to do this? Because um, this project is probably a big undertaking. Yeah. So Slightly expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um, originally, this project, pre-COVID, there was plenty of grant funds from this national um, HUD grant that the city of Minot had as a pass-through. And then COVID happened, inflation happened. Um, global supply chain issues. And when we went out to bid, it was actually $3.5 million over our anticipated budget. And so that kind of put the pressure on my staff. That meant we needed to raise funds. And that was just the bid. Of course, you always need contingencies. Um, You need appliances, furniture. You know, you're going to have an increase in operations initially because most of our state and federal grants are reimbursed. So we have to spend the money first. So we knew we'd need like liquid cash for our yeah. initial operations. So we have been continuously fundraising for this project. Um, I don't know if Megan wants to talk as our development director, kind of about some of the fundraisers we have going on right now and other ways to kind of get involved with this project. Yeah. So right now we're in the middle of the twice plus campaign and um, you know, we received a $25,000 match grant for uh, general operations and then 20,000 for Broadway Circle. So um, if we can get 20,000 in donations, um, Inspiritus is going to match that with another 20. So oh, that's, awesome. that's 40,000 that goes right to our Broadway Circle project. Absolutely. And, you know, it's what a way to incentivize people to donate. You know, you donate 10 bucks and it's really 20. Yeah. You give a thousand, it's 2,000. Um, that is unheard of. It is so hard to find matching funds. So this is just you know, it is called twice blessed. It's such a blessing for us as nonprofits, you know, just to have that incentive to get people to contribute. It's end of year. So people are looking for tax credits and this is a really good way to get it. Absolutely. And then, um, right after that, we go into giving hearts day, which I am working on a lot right now, but, um, our goal is to get $15,000 in match partners through local businesses, sponsorships. Um, I've got, five out of six secured right now so i need one more if anybody if anybody knows somebody call me yep you know a guy who knows a guy yeah it Um, does it absolutely does hometown radio group shout out to my hometown people they are fantastic um they donate a lot of minutes towards local nonprofits, and they have partnered with us and they're gonna provide some tags on the radio during our campaign which is great 
That's awesome. I think when I was doing the research for the show, I saw the picture of you with the heart glass on. Is yeah, that yeah, that is that's me doing <laughs> just trying to find those match partners out yeah. there. Well, and that's kind of an interesting thing that Megan has brought to this is coming from the corporate world. She knows that, you know, as a business, you don't always have those funds to just give as a donation, but you might have more for marketing dollars. And so Mm -hmm. being able to leverage her experience has been just so valuable for that. Well, I, if I, as a business know that I'm going to be spending money on marketing anyway, and somebody comes to me and says, Hey, if you want to just divert some of those marketing dollars, you'll still get some marketing, but then you also can support a great cause. You have some yeah. feel goods. Well, yeah, especially if absolutely. they're going to put money towards the radio and they can just do this and still get, you know, exactly. yep, in exactly. an indirect workaround way. Yes. So question for you then, uh, obviously business podcasts, we're trying to find some advice as far as the grants and in this development that you're doing, what would be your advice? How do you go about finding these match partners? Are there any specific ways that you found to work better than others? Well, I think it's just reaching out to whoever you know in the community. You you um, start to meet people over time and just develop that network of, of individuals. Relationships. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And so you start at the top, reach out to the people that it's easiest for you to reach out to and start talking about it. And I mean, you're going to get a no more times than you get a yes. I mean, that's just yeah. the, the name of the game. Um, but those no's actually sometimes turn into much better opportunities because Mm -hmm. I won't name names or anything, but, um, I had reached out to somebody and asked for the, the match partner sponsorship. And they said that that wasn't something they could do right now, but, but yeah. And I said, well, how about, um, can we, can we get a meeting with some of your team just to talk about project B because awareness is half the battle too. Yeah. Um, and they said, well, yeah, we can do that. And so, um, now we've got this big meeting, uh, this week, later this week, and we're really excited about it. And, um, it's going to open a lot of doors. You get to spread the word. Yeah. Yeah. So a no is still not bad either. The one thing I always tell myself about no's is I break down, let's say it's $25,000, right? Um, and you might get a hundred no's, but that one, yes, well, that means you just take your $25,000 divided by 100 and that's what every single time someone tells you no, you're getting $592 yeah. or whatever it is. Absolutely. So if you look at it that way, technically well, you're making money on those no's. you no's. can't be afraid to say no or to hear no. And yeah. um, a no is an opportunity. And it's Absolutely. not really, I, I found that it's not always personal. Yes. It's not like the person doesn't like you and they're saying no. Sometimes it's just not feasible. Sometimes it's just timing. Yeah. Um, but or sometimes can, people are mean and then I do yes, take it personally. personal. But, but you know, <laughs> I move on from those having yes. those conversations, building that relationship. Cool. You told me no. I'm gonna ask next year. Yeah. After we kind of um, talk a little more, yeah. you know, and get to maybe, know each other a little bit. Maybe more. figure out what you're passionate about. Maybe they don't fully understand your organization. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes you just find, you know, let's say you have a dog rescue, but you find somebody who just wants cats. So yeah. it's just not a fit. And, and mm-hmm. that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You can maybe connect them with somebody else that you know. We've had a lot of um, people that we've met because of other people. Um, Other nonprofits have connected us with um, individuals and corporate donors just because maybe we're a better fit. And I'm so grateful for that. It's so crazy once you get into the business realm, you start meeting people and you realize that the relationships, people always say that they're like, relationships are key. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's crazy. Web. You know, even this podcast, how we got in contact, Megan, is we were filming something for the Huss Fest. And then I'm like, oh, let's go on the podcast with Project B. I know you. I, I may have plugged wanting to be in a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but yeah, and, and that's what, you know, I didn't really know what you did. I've heard of your name before. And I think it was when you're with the restaurant group. Sure. And I was like, okay. Um, and then you're with Project B. And I was like, that would be perfect to come on the show. So it's crazy the uh, connections that you actually get from just talking to people. The spider web of relationships. Absolutely. Yep. And it's very underestimated. So that would be my advice to the people that are getting in, you know, maybe, maybe they're just graduating from college, coming out of high school. Just meet and talk to as many people as you can. Stage five clinger. It's a a strategy. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. So let's talk about uh, future Project B a little bit then. Uh, What's on the horizon? What are you guys looking to accomplish? What's the next thing that's coming besides, obviously, the Broadway Circle Project? You know, I think one of the big things that kind of where we're at right now is we are primed for big change. Um, Liz just went on a staffing (laughs) spree. (laughs) Um, but she, she built this team so that right now we are in a position for great growth. 
Um, and we are ramping up for 2024. I think it's going to be a phenomenal year. Yeah. Um, not only just in increase in, you know, hopefully funding, <laughs> um, but also in what we can do for our clients. And, and that's ultimately why we're here. And so increase in funding leads to better services for our clients, leads to bigger programs. And um, that's what we want to do. Absolutely. We see a lot of gaps in services in our community. Um, that's how we became Project B from the YWCA, and we were able to expand our programming. We know that there are a lot more needs right now. Um, we also know that, you know, that takes money and yeah. um, time, and we can't just do it all right now. There's a lot that we would like to do. There's a lot that our community needs. Um, and Sometimes that's hard too, is, you know, maybe what we think that we need, our community doesn't need. Yeah. Um, but after talking with a lot of our constituents and clients, I think we just, we know that there's gaps in services and there's more we need to do. How do we get there? Um, well, we got to find some of the right people. And I think we have found the right people. And then we just need to keep chugging away and working hard and, um, It'll work out. One day at a time. That's what they say, right? Yeah. We're all looking forward to the Broadway Circle Project, um, getting to open up the doors there and, and moving in. And, you know, I think that's going to be a huge milestone for Absolutely. Project B. Yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Is there a, a time frame on that or not yet? Right now. Um, LOL. Friday, <laughs> Friday, December 1st. So just a few days ago, uh, the Lord's Cupboard did move into the soup kitchen and food pantry. There's a few more things that we have to wrap up on their side. But they are getting ready to start operating out of that facility, which is um, so exciting. Yeah. It is because did it used to be over uh, on the way to the Mesa on Bird? Yes. It was okay. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yes, very so, limited space, limited no access, no climate control at yeah. all. Yeah, well, that's exciting. Um, and so they need this, and so we're yeah. pretty excited about that. Buildings B and C, there's kind of a lot up in the air still with construction, and winter came pretty quick. Um, yeah. Randomly in October, it snowed. <laughs> yeah. So it's hit us once. Yeah, exactly. So we, it'll be in 2024, but we're yeah. not in a hurry because, again, we're getting the Lord's covered, kind of moved in, and starting to figure out what operations look like there for them. They serve over 450 families a week. Dang. And I think they are going to see even more clients just because they're in a lot more accessible location. Yeah. So, um, like I said, there's a lot of nonprofits in your area that are looking for your help. And maybe it's only five bucks or maybe you can give your time, but maybe you want to give me 50,000. I won't yeah. complain. Um, <laughs> but there's just there's a lot of need here and we need all people to be able to come together to provide these great services. Cool. So we'll be looking for that in 2024. And once we uh, see it, we'll, we'll share that to make sure you guys can, you know, see how it finally turned out. I was just looking on the Facebook page and I see there's some construction going on. Uh, so it's good to see. Last question I got for you guys. I always end the show with this Mount Rushmore of business or career advice uh, with two guests we've done before where we do two and two, or if you guys want to go four and four, you can do that. Do you have a preference? What? We need some, I need, do it. I need, yeah, four, let's do four pieces, two right. pieces of career advice from you and two from you. Whoever wants to start, if you want to Rochambeau, right. you can. I will start. My best career advice would be, um, be okay with change. Uh, I think there's this like society expectation that when you're 18 years old, you graduate from high school, you know what you're doing. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah. I, you know, spent so much money so much money on a college <laughs> degree that I don't even use anymore. And I changed and some people thought that like there was something wrong with me, but, um, I'm so happy now. So, um, don't feel like you have to have things together on a timeline. Don't be afraid of change. Sometimes life comes at you fast and you just, you need to adapt and whether it's, um, for your own mental well being or because you found something better, whatever, just do it. Yeah. Um, I would say, Oh, goodness. This, this one always stumps people when yeah. I don't give them a heads up. And that's my favorite part about you're, it. You're killing me. Um, I would say don't be afraid to just um, take a chance. I mean, you have to be willing to walk up to somebody and say, hi, I'm Megan. Can I learn something from you? Um, and on that note, be open to learning new things. Because so many people, I've met so many people along the way who think that they have all the answers and they don't. Mm -hmm. There is not one person here that does. And so mm -hmm. you have to be open to learning new things and accepting that you don't know it all. You, 
you will become a better person because of it. I always heard the quote, if you think you're the smartest person in the room, you need to go to a different room <laughs> because you can't learn from people. Absolutely. If you know more than everybody in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on that note, um, work hard, come in early, stay late. You're never too important to take your own garbage out. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to just be, be better with your character, I guess. Is again, I always say like, I'm not, I take the garbage out of yeah. my office and I'm like, why wouldn't I? Like, it's my garbage. These are my Starbucks cups. Or whatever. <laughs> uh, her matcha, whatever. Yeah. Oat milk. Yes. My iced matcha <laughs> with oat milk. So yeah. good. Um, but come in early, stay late, show that you have hustle and you're going to be there. Especially if everyone's working towards the same goal. One of my favorite, uh, I think it was an article that I've read was uh, someone came up to a janitor at NASA and they say, you know, what are you doing? And he said, helping send someone to the moon. So everyone at NASA is That's working awesome. towards the same true, thing, though. even though he's, you know, he might be mopping the hallways. Yeah. That is helping everybody else get the job done. Well, and as we learned, uh, 2020 and COVID, janitor's most important in the room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no like, kidding. It's yeah. the person keeping us all safe. So, yeah. well, and I would say my last thing um, would be do something that ignites a spark in you. Because if you wake up every day and you dread going to work, you're not in the right field. You have to find something that you get excited about, that you want to do, that you want to tell people about. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a really long life. Yeah, it's going to be horribly long. Long and miserable. Horribly yeah, long. You don't want to. You don't want to live for the weekends. You know, if you can wake up and you're like, "Oh man, it's Saturday." I, you know, I could go to work today because I'm excited about what I'm doing. I Not did. That I did work all yeah. last weekend <laughs> I, because I just, I seriously wake up and I'm so excited for project B and to be part of the mission and, um, to, to work for our clients. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it feels good and I just want to always be better. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know like during our rebrand, that was what I did. I worked, you know, 80 hours a week but it wasn't work. Yeah. It doesn't it feel like work. It was something I was so excited about and we were just going to be able to do so much more. Um, and now I definitely do not work 80 hours a week because I set it up so that we have a great team and yeah. we can all share that burden. But, um, when I it is something exciting, those extra hours don't feel like extra hours. Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. So where can people, uh, last thing here, where can people find out more about project B? I would say our Facebook page is probably yeah. a great first step. Um, there's lots absolutely. of information on there and it links to our website, which is project B B E E nd.org uh you can find information about our programs ways to donate ways to get involved etc but our facebook and our social media we're on linkedin youtube tiktok instagram yep. facebook of course um follow us check out what we're doing and it'll connect to those other those big links like our website and our blog and whatnot yeah and it will share all of our upcoming events that we have because we have some really fun ones one for the ladies called galentine's day so um i can't wait to see what that turns out to be. Absolutely. Awesome. So we will put that uh, link in the description below this video so you guys can check it out. Liz, Megan, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks thank for you. Us. That was episode 67 of the Minot Business Podcast. Thank you guys again for listening or watching and we'll see you guys next week for episode 68.